You know, I've heard it said that kids are messengers that we're sending to a time that, well, we won't see. And that's certainly a noble thought, but doesn't that instill some fear and worry in you moms and dads? Here's author Winter Pitts. You know, as parents, we say like, oh God, you know, use my kids and use them to impact your kingdom. But when that starts to happen, that can make us a little afraid as parents. And it's easy to say we want our kids to do that. And it's hard to watch them, but we're going to prepare them to be the ones that are going to stand out and fight against what's happening in the world around us. We're going to talk about how to survive those worrisome parenting decisions by turning our worry into peace in this edition of Family Life This Week. Welcome to Family Life This Week. I'm Michelle Hill. Have you ever had an irrational fear? You know, something that you know is not going to happen, but yet you're still afraid that it just might? Like, I have this fear of heights. And to climb a mountain, well, actually, I was at the top of a mountain a while back, and I had a hard time getting down because I'm scared. I'm scared of falling. And then, well, you know what would happen if I ended up falling all those feet down, 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 tumbling down. It's an irrational fear. Parents, do you have irrational fears? You know, like afraid that your kid, while being buckled into your car, is going to be stolen when you turn your back. What about them just falling and breaking their neck when they're playing outside, climbing a tree? Or what about, you know, the dog that seems to love your child? Well, one day they just might bite them. And I know what you're thinking. Those instances just might have happened. And maybe they happened to you. But still, worry does seem to be a natural part of life, right? And I'm told by many moms that when you have children, well, you'll understand the depth of their worry. Now, I'm not here to tell you you have to stop. That's the Holy Spirit's job. You know, it was in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave at the beginning of his ministry. He said, Do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Well, that sounds pretty clear to me. But I'll admit it is hard not to fear and to leave your worries behind. Here's Bob Lapine and Dennis Rainey talking about worry. I have been known to uh, have some anxiety from time to time. Yes. And, Let me see if, uh, I'm, one I'm of just going to test your musical knowledge here, oh, okay? Bob. Just test your musical Bob. knowledge. Bob. I'm just going to see if you can pick out this song, okay? I'm going to sing a little <laughs> bit of the song, see if you can pick it out. Do, 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 do. You got it? Be happy. Do, 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 do. What's the first part? Do, do, uh, don't worry, be happy. I just thought that would be a good way for us to talk about your favorite emotion, right? I wouldn't say it's my favorite emotion. I'm, well, I I'm guess all that's over true. love. <laughs> but you, you, this, if you've struggled with a negative emotion in your life, this has been the one, hasn't it? I'm not picking on you. I don't feel picked on. You I, have I would said say, this. I would say this is 
a propensity of my life to worry. <laughs> yes. My mom called me a worry wart, and it's because I caused her so much problems. <laughs> I'm not doing a good job juggling the things that I'm concerned about that have uh, ultimately downgraded into worry. Those I, those three o'clock in the morning mornings where you just wake up. Yeah, yeah, where, where uh, you're just stewing on stuff, thinking about it, and uh, it's a waste of time. Just like Dennis said. It's a waste of time. Here's what I was trying to show you is that for some people, worry is a part of life. It's one of those thorns in your flesh. And as you heard Dennis Rainey, who, like I said, he's a co-founder at Family Life, and he's who I would consider a giant in the faith, even he struggles with worry, but he knows where to take it. You know, I know there's a mom listening, maybe it's you, who is saying, I have every right to worry. It's a mom's intuition or it's a mom's prerogative. And it's not just moms. Sometimes it's dads. Dennis, he's a dad. You have to make sure that your child lives to ride that bike, to graduate from high school and to walk down the aisle and keeping them alive. Well, it's no small feat. I want you to hear the story of a young man who loved to push boundaries. And there was one boundary that he pushed too far with his mom. Here's author and pastor Winfred Neely talking with Dennis Rainey. Were you uh, were you a worry to her? Yes. <laughs> give me a give me a fist bump because I was the worry wart to my mom. Oh. How did you worry her? Did you oh. did you kind of push the boundaries? Oh, push the boundaries is an understatement. I did some great. <laughs> you know, I, I look back at that person. And I asked myself, who was that person? And that person, of course, was me. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think about some of the things that I did. Tell them about the go-kart, the night you were entrusted by your mom to go yeah. ride some go-karts. Yeah. Well, it's graduation from elementary school. This was a big deal. <laughs> big accomplishment. Celebrate. Yeah, celebrate. And so... Um, my parents, you know, they, they had a kind of a tight hold on us growing up. And so I asked her if I could go with some friends of mine on the bus to the another part of the city of Chicago. She agreed. You're, you're like 12 years old? Well, 13. And you're going on the bus I'm with going on bus. your friends? That's right. Okay. To, to another right. part of Chicago without any adult supervision. Yeah. Some older teenagers are going with us now. And she gives me some very clear instructions. Okay, Winfred, but you be back home by 10 o'clock. Do you understand me? Yes, Mom. So I burst out of the house full of excitement, and I get over here to go-kart land, and I just decided to ignore Mom's curfew. Mm. And I just, I lost, I, I deliberately lost track of time. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard, yeah. I've never heard that term yeah. before. Yeah. Well, it is. Uh -huh. I did that too one time. <laughs> and uh, 
I look back on it now, she didn't know where I was. There were no cell phones. There were no cell phones right. in 1968. We didn't have iPhones. Now, we had phone booths. You remember the Superman films? <laughs> yeah. How Superman used to right. get into the phone booth right. and all go. So we had a lot of phone booths around the city of Chicago. All I had to do was go into a phone booth, put a quarter in there, and call mom and say, Mother, uh, I'm running late. I'm okay. I'm on my way. And that would have eased her anxiety. It never even occurred to me to do that. So how late were you? Well, I think I got back. It was way after 10. It's probably around 11 o'clock, 11.15 at night in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. 13-year-old. 13-year-old. So I thought I would try the tippy-toe routine. <laughs> so I'm just going to tip into the house, you know. And, uh, and my father was asleep. That's interesting. That's interesting. Daddy just decided, I'm like, okay, Lou, that was Mother Annie. Lou, I'll let you deal with this. Daddy went to bed. Daddy was asleep. And I opened the back door, and my mother came around the corner like Wonder Woman. I mean, I can still see, she, I can still see the strange mingling of love and fury at once. Oh, that's a good description. In her eyes. Yeah. Boy, why are you so late? <laughs> and she... She gave me a piece of her mind. She was she was very disappointed, and that I did not uh, respect the curfew. <laughs> oh, I have a similar story. I'm sure we all do. Similar to Winfred's, you know, I was old enough to drive. So probably about 16, and I went out with some friends. My curfew was 10:30. And at 10.30, well, I made sure I was safely at my best friend's house just a mile down the road. You know, all good, right? I mean, in my teenage mind, sure. No. When I arrived home at midnight, my mom was sitting by the front door. Yes, I can understand what Renfred was talking about with the love and the fury. (laughs) And which one won out that night, I'm not exactly sure. But you know, it's one thing to be the child and have your parents worry about you, but it's another thing to be the parent and worry about your children. Winfred Neely has been on both sides of that equation, but he's grown now. He's married to Stephanie, has a family of his own, and he remembers when they were young missionaries in Africa and his son Sterling got very, very sick. And, well, of course, he began to worry. Here's Winfred. You know, malaria was common. So it was not, it was not uncommon for missionaries to, uh, in that part of the world to, you know, to get malaria. You know, I mean, it's, it's like almost like the common cold. So there are medicines you take and things like that, and you, you'll be okay in a few days. And so we thought Sterling had malaria. But there was something else, and, and Stephanie noticed at first that there was something going on with him. He, we were giving him the malaria meds, and he was not getting better. He was becoming lethargic. Breathing was labored. So we took him to a pediatrician in Dakar, and he started treating Sterling for typhoid. Mm. Now, that really got to us because uh, we had seen a number of things happen during this season in our lives. You know, just what, what is God doing? Why is he allowing this to happen? We know that God is good. But it's when you're in a situation where you cannot as one preacher says, you cannot trace God's providential hand, mm. and you tr- got to learn to trust his heart in situations like that. But 
the fact that Sterling was sick in combination with the mm-hmm. these big theological questions that we were raising deepened our anxiety. And again, we had to release Sterling to the Lord. Now, we did what we were supposed to do. We gave him the appropriate meds. We made sure that we kept him hydrated. We carried out our responsibility, understanding ultimately only God can restore him. And so that's what we did. We prayed and um, we experienced the peace of God in the midst of this situation. And the Lord restored our little boy to health. So what's been the biggest faith challenge to that spiritual muscle that you're talking about? What's What's been the number one issue that you had to take before God and say, God, I don't know what you're up to, but I want to trust you with it. This is going to seem strange. It's my own feelings. It's my own feelings. In other words, because the way that I'm wired, I have a tendency to go with my feelings. And my feelings are telling me one thing. Mm-hmm. And God's word is telling me something else. So now I have a decision to make whether I'm going to go with my feelings or whether I'm going to go with Scripture. And when I have gone with Scripture, Dennis, I have found whenever I trust God and take God at his word based on Scripture, I have found the peace of God is released in my heart and mind through the ministry of the Spirit of God. And that's been my biggest challenge. Interestingly enough, I'm 63 years old now. And I think it was when I was was in my 50s when God starts to wean me off of my feelings so that I learn to take him at his word. And I want to suggest that that's one of the big problems in postmodern, post-Christian culture is this feeling-driven. We're too driven by feelings. And we have to stop making these decisions based on how we feel Find out what God's Word says about any particular issue and take God at His Word. Mm-hmm. And then when we do that, we will experience peace. And that's a big challenge. That sounds easy, but it is a major spiritual breakthrough in one's life. <laughs> wow. Just what Winford Neely is talking about. It does sound easy. Stop worrying. Stop worrying. It sounds so simple, but it also is very, very hard. Hey, we need to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to take a look at what the definition of worry really is and how do we just lay those burdens and those fears at the foot of the cross. We'll take a look at that when we come back. Stay tuned. You've got this whole marriage thing down. Yeah. I mean, you remember everything. You get her gifts. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's that's a great idea. And if you were to get her a gift... I would get her favorite flowers, obviously. Which are? Daisies. Or was it daffodils? Maybe doilies? Those are flowers, right? Okay, but at least you remember your wedding vows. That's all that really counts. I take thee to hold and cherish is in there. I, I know that word. Family Life's Weekend to Remember is a two and a half day getaway for you and your spouse. You'll hear sound biblical teaching from dynamic live speakers. It's a chance to get away, connect with your spouse, and remember what marriage is all about. 
To find out more about a getaway near you, go to weekendtoremember.com. You can remember that, right? Weekendtoremember.com. I got it. And can I buy a bouquet of doilies there, too? Have you ever noticed that worry can spoil an otherwise happy day? For Family Life Blended, here's Ron Deal. The Bible has a lot to say about worry. An anxious heart weighs a man down, Proverbs 12. Can you add a single hour to your life by worrying? Matthew 6. And don't be anxious about anything, Philippians 4. And yet, if you're like me, you worry frequently about the economy, you know, my kids driving safely, aging parents, politics, terrorist attacks, what to fix for dinner, it goes on and on. Now, why do we do this? Well, because we forget that God cares. You are so much more valuable than birds or flowers, and yet God provides for them, Jesus said. Seek first the kingdom and trust him with everything else. For Family Life Blended, I'm Ron Deal. To find out more, visit familylifeblended.com. Welcome back to Family Life This Week. I'm Michelle Hill. Today we are talking about fear and worry and just what do we do with those runaway emotions? How do we reel them back in? You know, when I'm on top of that mountain and I'm scared to get down, what helps me is when I really step back from the situation and specifically define what I am scared of the outcome. And if we're talking about that, we really need to know what's the true definition of worry. And for that, we turn to pastor and author Jeff Shreve. He is joined by his wife, Debbie, and they're talking with Dennis Rainey and Bob Lapine just all about worry. Worry is the uneasiness that we feel in view of an anticipated loss, whether real or imagined, of something or someone we value. For instance, if my daughter is driving from Texarkana to Houston, I may worry about her safety because especially when she was really a a, a novice rookie driver, we would worry, oh, is she going to make it? Call us, let us know. And then we were probably increasing our opportunity to get in a wreck as we were texting her all the way, you know. (laughs) But but nothing happened on any of those occasions, but we would be anxious about it because we anticipated, hey, this could happen. And so, you know, most of the things we worry about as individuals never happen. Uh, there was a statistic done. I can't remember, remember the exact number, but it was, it was so high of the things we worry about. You know, fifty or sixty percent of those things will never happen, but we still worry. And 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 let me, because I've been picking on Dennis here about the fact that that worries an issue for him. <laughs> Let's be honest: that a person who never worries about anything is irresponsible, is maybe in denial. The person who goes, I'm not worried about anything. We're supposed to be alert to our surroundings. We're supposed to be cautious and on guard. When does worry become sinful? Well, I think that, you know, Jesus told us don't worry. In Matthew chapter 6, which I talk about uh, in the chapter on worry, three times in 10 verses, do not be worried, do not be worried, do not worry. Don't be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will take care of itself. I think any time that concern moves into worry and I'm fretting about this and I'm wringing my hands about this, we have 
we've crossed the line and now we've gone into where it's not just I'm responsible, but now I'm I've crossed over. So can I tell when when my concern becomes sinful worry? Is there a is there a line I can cross? Well, I think when you lose your sense of peace, you, you can't sleep at night. That thing is going through your mind, and and um, you know you, you, what it boils down to is: wait a minute, I'm not trusting God here because God didn't create me to be all tied up in knots over this situation, whatever that situation might be. So I think that once you feel like I've lost my sense of peace, hey, I, I'm worrying about this thing. When I worked in sales, I had a company car, and it was such a different feeling dealing with a company car versus my own car because the company car, the company paid for everything. So if I took it in for an oil change and they showed me my air filter and it was a little black and they said, should we replace this? I said, by all means, hmm. you know, replace it. Or if the tires are getting low, let's get new tires. Whatever needs to be done because it's the company's car, it needs to be top notch. Now, if it's my own car, we're not replacing the air filter because I have to pay for it. We, the <laughs> tires, surely we can get another few thousand miles out of them. It's just so totally different. And if the thing, if somebody wrecks it, if it's sitting in the parking lot and somebody runs into it, it's the company car. Okay, just take it to the shop and let's get it fixed. Here's the thing. I never worried about that car because it wasn't mine. Now, when you understand that everything in your life is a company car, Mm. your spouse, your kids, your job, your 401k, everything, it doesn't belong to you. It's God's. He just lets you drive it. He lets you use it. Then you don't have to worry. It's kind of like losing your hair. Once it's all lost and once you give everything over to the Lord, then you don't have to worry about it anymore. That's his worry, and he's responsible to take care of his children. What a great reminder from Jeff Shreve that, you know, everything belongs ultimately to God. It isn't ours. And if it belongs to God, that means that it's his responsibility to handle it. Our fear, our worries are not going to change anything. God is in control. And, you know, God's still in control, even with things like COVID-19. There's a lot of fear, a lot of scare going around right now. But we need to pull back and remember, God's still in control. The other day, I talked with pastor and blogger Tim Challies, and he gave some great advice on how we should avoid overreacting during this trying time. Here's Tim. I think the church's role is to express love primarily to one another. The primary reach of the love of a Christian is to other Christians. And so Christians should be prepared to love one another and then to love others. So one easy measure is to say, if I'm feeling at all ill, I'm just not going to go to church. Why is that? Because there are elderly people in the church and whatever we do know about the virus, we know they, of all people, are more susceptible to it. And so I don't want to think, well, I'm young and healthy. It won't really bother me. And then go and spread it to other people out of love for them. I may not go out or out of love for others. I may not go to the store and stockpile, just cram my basement full of food. I might get enough to love my family, care for them, but hoarding and stockpiling, maybe that's not loving to others. And I think one of the ways you can look outward now is maybe to get in touch with neighbors, especially perhaps elderly neighbors, and just offer your help. I think of Christians just thinking, how can I love others in my local church and in my community? It's a good place to begin. Mm. How can we be having conversations with our children during this time about how we're to love others? Well, I think kids are scared of the situation 
children tend not to do very well with uncertainty at the best of times. And then when mom and dad are a little rattled, they can be a little rattled. So I think we can acknowledge their fears and then reassure them that God knows all things, that this virus is not a surprise to him and that he's up to something in it. And then, yeah, I think just modeling God's love to others. God loved us at great expenses to himself. And so we can be willing to reach out to others, even at the expense of ourselves. And our our temptation as westernized 21st century Christians is to look to government and say, government, help us, government, save us. And God institutes government for his own good purposes and that they will offer help to us. But ultimately, I think it's it's a call for us to express our reliance upon God and to trust in him as the ultimate one who's going to bring an end to this eventually. True. How do we do that? How do we rely on God? Well, we go to God's word and we see what's true about God. In times like this, we can focus on what's true about a virus, what's true about the world out there, what's true about the situation out there, but all of those things will change. The one thing we have that's true and fixed and always unchanging is God himself. And so he is always our starting point. Whatever else is true, let's focus at least the first bit of our attention on what's true of God. God loves us. God cares for us. God will never leave us nor forsake us. We're secure in Christ. We we have comfort in life and death. We can go on and on and list all those great promises of God. So whatever coronavirus or earthquakes or famine, whatever else is true there, We first fix ourselves on what's true about God and then what's true of us in Christ. What is true of us who have put our faith in Him and received His forgiveness. So He is the thing that's fixed and unwavering when everything else seems uncertain. A great biblical response from Tim Chalice concerning COVID-19. You know, and the unknown sometimes just weighs us down, but we don't need to fear this. You know, our kids are watching our reactions. They're watching and they're learning. So ask yourself, what are you teaching them? You know, when Jesus was talking about worry, he also said, look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, not reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And he finishes his thought by saying, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. So give your worries over to him. Bring your cares and your fears to him, because Jesus longs for us to fully trust him. Tim Chalice has a lot of information pointing us to a biblical response to COVID-19. We have links at our website, familylifethisweek.com. Well, one thing I am not going to worry about is next week's program. You remember what Jeff Shreve said a little earlier about everything belongs to God? That includes your children, and it's his responsibility to take care of them. Well, next week, we're going to talk to Jeff and Debbie's daughter, Sarah, as she went through a potentially life-altering health scare. Talk about something to worry about. Oh, wait, we're not supposed to worry, are we? We're going to talk about that next week. So I hope you can join us for that. Thanks for listening. 
I want to thank the president of Family Life, David Robbins, along with our station partners around the country. And a big thank you to our engineer today, Keith Lynch, who doesn't worry at all. Thanks to our producers, Marcus Holt, who might worry a little bit, but probably not. To Justin Adams, who is our mastering engineer, I know he doesn't worry. And to Megan Martin, our production coordinator. Do you worry at all, Megan? None. Absolutely none. She's learned from today's program. Hey, our program is a production of Family Life Today, and our mission is to effectively develop godly families who change the world one home at a time. I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time for another edition of Family Life This Week.